Welcome to CBuzz, Columbus's first business-focused podcast, which is presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and Capital University. I'm Michaela Hunt, host for CBuzz, and this is truly the show where we bring you the best stories from the Columbus business community. We have our home here at Capital University's Convergent Media Center, and it is a great one, great for conversations, and we have a fantastic one on tap today. We are joined by Catherine Lang Klein, president and co-creator of Portfolio Creative during this episode. Catherine, it's great to sit down and talk with you one-on-one for some time. <laughs> it's great to talk with you too. We see each other all the time and just, it's like almost like ships in the night. How are you doing? How are things? Yeah, and then you're on, and to, then you're on to the next. <laughs> and then the speaker starts and then we're on to our event. So Portfolio Creative works to help businesses solve creative workforce challenges by connecting their clients to top talent in marketing, design, advertising, content, and digital. Uh, they offer some on-site staffing, direct hire, and workforce planning. And their clients include some of the biggest names in Columbus. So Catherine, we'd like to kind of back into this. We, we'd like to kind of start about how this all came to be because you spent more than 20 years in the creative industry as both a designer for corporations and ad agencies. So that's what we want to know first, I guess. How and why did you decide to make this transition to small business owner? Well, little known fun fact, I actually have a degree in art. Um, I do not have a business degree. So I did pursue a career for a number of years, just like you said, um, in commercial art is what it was called back then. Commercial art. As a, as a graphic designer. And I was just telling someone earlier today that I got my first job because I knew how to work a Macintosh. If that dates me, I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, that's how I got into the business and being a graphic designer because I was able to figure out how to turn the machine on. And um, essentially had actually a really great career in advertising and marketing. I mean, it, I did everything um, from doing illustrative work to doing photo shoots to um, mail order campaigns. And I worked in catalogs and wow, things. Yeah. Like, so it was, a, it was a huge range of business. And I would, you know, kind of travel on working in businesses for a while. And then I would work on my own for a while as a freelancer, then back into business, freelancer, whatever, kind of whichever the way the wind would take me. Um, so I had a lot of history with finding work and um, working in corporations. So that was a little bit of how it kind of started. Um, my business partner, Kristen Harris, worked for the Limited at the time. And that's how we crossed paths. And she kind of had this idea. Well, her her problem was it was always hard for her to find freelance help. And I was a freelancer at the time. She had an idea to start this business to help other companies find freelancers and because I had a little bit of experience in that, she wanted to have a partner to do it. So that's really interesting that we start there because I, I think you hit on something. There's a lot of folks who are out there who are freelancers mm-hmm. or solopreneurs who are doing their thing. Maybe you've hired subcontractors, maybe haven't to do work. Was Kristen what you needed to be able to make that transition into what this has become now today, do you think? do you, you Could you have gone on freelancing and kind of working for corporate freelancing, kind of I, going back and I have and no forth? doubt that's what I would have done, um, just because I didn't really see anything beyond that. And when it was kind of kind of shown to me in a different way. I mean, I really am kind of doing the exact same thing. I'm still finding freelance work. I am still, you know, marketing, you know, myself, if you will, in my business and um, working with corporations and really understanding what they need. So it, it's just kind of expanded where I'm not just finding work for myself now. Um, I have myself and other people who now find work for a lot of artists in the community. So what made you make the decision truly to do that? Kristen obviously had a big hand in that to be able to grow this. Yeah, she had this idea. So we worked on the concept for about six months before we decided to actually 
um, open the doors, if you will. And um, it was mostly because it, it, it fit really well just was from what she was able to bring to the table and what I was able to bring to the table. Um, she was very um, knowledgeable as finding, I mean, she knew a lot of talent, a lot more than me. And I had a lot of clients um, from my freelance experience who just essentially just kind of merged the two and started plugging her people into the jobs I used to do. And it just kind of took off from there. So we all know there's a lot of risk when it comes to starting a business and also a lot to learn, when, especially when your degree is in art, right? Mm-hmm. Degree, you, we have these degrees <laughs> in other things. Right. Um, finances, market, strategy, hiring, the list we could go on and on, obviously. So what resources connections or insight was really helpful for you when preparing to take that leap with Kristen into doing what you're going to do. It sounds like you guys were the perfect pair, mm-hmm. but what else helped you along at that point? Well, I this is one thing that I would tell everybody is just know that, especially if you have a passion for something, we had a passion for the arts and creative work and design and things like that. And we were fully aware that we did not know anything beyond that. <laughs> I mean, I knew how to do invoicing and marketing and things like that. We were both marketing people. So that part was kind of taken care of, but we knew absolutely nothing about staffing and the laws that go along with that. And there are many and about payroll and the taxes that go along with that. And there are many. And um, we just started just researching a lot of it on our own. Some parts we may have made up as we went along, but you know, we'll just kind of keep that between you and me, Michaela. <laughs> no one and, else is listening, Catherine. No and, one. And um, luckily we were right in a lot of cases, but what we ended up doing is um, we got involved with organizations, one of which was NABO, which is the National Association of Women Business Owners, um, just to be around people that ran a business. Um, so it was really about finding peers, people that were doing startups like we were doing it, people that have um, had businesses for a while and really kind of tapping into their knowledge and their experience. We were so overwhelmed on how helpful everyone was. You could ask any question and they would, they would help out. Another thing that we did is we got affiliated with um, the American Staffing Association. So I, another recommendation I would make is if there is some sort of organization that specializes in the field you're in, it's definitely worth um, looking into programs they have, perhaps some training that they have. Like for us, we went through the certification process. So there was actual tests and reading we had to do to understand how a staffing company worked, which you was- You may have gotten your degree in art, but then you went back to school. Pretty much. Yeah. And, and that's- that's actually a good thing to mention too. It's it's always learning. There's always something new to learn, and you know things get thrown at you like different. You know the the tax situation is different now, and hiring situations are you know the rules change and all of that, and the industry changes depending on which one you're in, and you have to always just be learning and be really good with um, knowing that you don't know everything. You're not always done. <laughs> no, you're never you're never done. And so I know, but the audience might not know. You're not from Ohio originally. I'm not. You're an Illinois girl mm-hmm. originally, which I appreciate that. You know. I'm I'm an Illinois girl originally as well. Um, We know that Columbus is at the top of its game. Mm -hmm. That's something that all of us know. Did you ever doubt starting a business here? Or were you confident at the time when you started Portfolio Creative? What year was it? And and, and how did you feel about that? We started the business in 2005. And back then... um, Columbus was still trying to find a little bit of itself, if you will. There was definitely um, a lot of creative going on, and a lot of that can be attributed to, obviously, the the limited brands, a lot of the retail that's in town, where a lot of creative people were coming here and then staying here and starting their own businesses. Um, But it wasn't until, you know, groups like, you know, Columbus 2020 and the partnership, and and they started getting really, really aggressive with getting more businesses to come here. 
So that was super helpful for us. I mean, and I think just for the community in general and, you know, the the government here has always been, the city government has always been really engaged and the university is wonderful. So it's, it's just a great little Petri dish of things that just kind of keep jobs churning and things growing. And um, now with the smart Columbus thing that's going on, all the technology is coming here. So in the time frame that we've had the business, Columbus has just completely blossomed. And I think it's uh, going to essentially turn into a garden. You know, there's just so much growth and so much opportunity here, especially for entrepreneurs. I mean, I love it in terms of the way we've grown right up against Chicago, like mm-hmm. number two when it comes to size and what we're doing with some right. things. Your timing is interesting. And I, and I want to talk about that because you started in 05. That means three years in, we're talking about the recession. Yes. And you still grew and you're still saying all these fantastic things about the reasons you were happy to be here and confident mm-hmm, to be here. Mm-hmm. What did that period of time look like for you? That period was was good and bad for a couple of reasons. One, it was, um, I'll do the, the bad news first, is that we had a lot of people that were losing work that um, might have been in positions where they did not. Um, have hands-on experience with computers, um, might have been a lot of journalists that were starting to lose jobs, and um, they had to kind of reinvent themselves. And we spent a lot of time coaching people to um, better their resume, have better samples, so they could kind of reinvent themselves in for this new world that was kind of taking place. Um, the good side of that for us was that uh, people still need to get stuff done, but they weren't ready to hire. So our temporary business did really great. We weren't doing so much direct hire, but um, people wanted, they still wanted to get stuff done. And it was very uncommittal, I guess, to, or noncommittal to, um, to have just temps come in. So then that makes me think different revenue streams, so to speak, for mm-hmm. your business. Yes. When I think about on-site staffing, direct hire, and workforce planning, has it always been like that for you guys? Because that does sound like that would have made a difference during a recession period. Um, when we first started, we were just finding work for graphic designers and writers. I mean, and literally that was it. And it was on temporary basis. And, um, that, and that's what how we introduced the whole thing. And then uh, we eventually just started changing based on what the customer wanted. Um, our clients started asking for things like, can you find me someone direct hire? I, how, can you help with me with retention? Um, which then goes into the workforce planning and things like that. And can, you know, um, can you just have someone come in and do a project? This is the budget. I don't want to go over it. So we try to be as flexible as possible with whatever the client wants. I mean, there's uh, the definition of staffing where, you know, you call and you get a person. But for us, we really like to sit with our client and talk to them about what is it that you really need? Is this what you really need? Because sometimes we'll get job descriptions and it might be two people, which might even cost them less. Um, it might be something more specific that um, they're not even aware of. It might be something that would help them plan for the future. So it's a, a lot of that sort of collaboration. And then also, too, I mean, because we um, feel that we're really in touch with a lot of people in the community, we know people that are miserable at their jobs. So if they might... Unfortunately, <laughs> this can be true sometimes. It might, yes. be a, it might be a case where somebody's looking for that perfect person. They're not in our database because they have not come forward to say that they are looking, but we're like, you know, we know someone who's so miserable over here and I think they'd be perfect. So let's just at least ask them. <laughs> you know, ask the question. <laughs> exactly. So 
for these organizations that are working with you in that regard with in terms of workforce, why is it really important that they're putting the time and thought into the people they're hiring right now, whether it be through a third-party staffing agency or internally? What's what's the important bit in really that thoughtful, intentional process in the unemployment kind of situation mm-hmm. that we're in right now? Well, because hiring and firing is really expensive. Um, people can spend a really long time and a lot of hours going through 100, 200 resumes that come in on a posting, for example. Um, they can save a lot of time working with us because we will narrow all that down to like maybe three or four perfect people or at least people we think that would be a great fit. And having that fit is important because sometimes people don't look beyond the resume. Um, you need people that fit for culture, um, f- people for potential. I mean, we have many people that they don't have exactly every bullet point met on a job description, but they might have, let's just say, three or four, two or four. Are they a, such a cultural fit and so eager that they would it would be a miss if that person didn't even talk to them? Um, so there's different things like that that we try and look at beyond just it being like a word match or... Um, you know, skill set match or resume match there. And you want to get those right, because if you have someone come in that, you know, it's just miserable because they don't believe in what you believe in, the values aren't a fit, or um, they don't mesh really well with your team, or they don't have the exact skill sets that you want, or not enough too many or whatever, they're going to leave. And then you're starting all over again. And it becomes very, like I said, uh, it, co- it costs money after expensive. a while. Yeah, it gets it to be expensive. Um, it, so literally, you you can get it down to three or four before your client mm-hmm. gets to, wow, that's such a time saver, it's too. A t- it's a time saver. And we also have options, too, where, you know, if you don't want to do a direct hire and pay the direct hire fee, you can do a... a attempt to buy also, you know, so if you have some come in and work for you, you know, you try out people before you, you hire them. Hire, yeah. So there's that option as well. So if you're not still not sure, you know, or we've convinced you to, to, to work with someone and like, well, I don't know, just try it. You know, um, I've never heard that. I've heard of temp, temporary staffing, temp mm-hmm. staffing, temp to buy. Though. Yeah. That is a thing. Yeah. It's like, we always refer to it as, you know, try before you buy, you know, and if you, don't like it, you can return it. You can return it. But somebody Um, else is going to want it. Somebody else will want it. I think there's, everybody has a fit for a job and, you know, it's our job to make sure that they're in that right fit the first time. Um, But, you know, it it is people. So sometimes, you know, it it doesn't always work out that way, but we try and get it right every single time. We have a great track record, but it is always, it, it can be really more assuring for people too, to just say, you know, let's just try them out for six months. And we'll know by then if, if they're going to be a fit. And many, almost every time people say, we want to keep them. So, <laughs> so. so you find the perfect person. This is a big question because there's many answers to it, I'm sure. But you find the right person. You love them. They're doing a great job. How do you retain the talent? How does that employer retain the talent? Well, retaining the talent um, comes in a certain way. And there's there's some of that weight that's on us and some that is is on the, the person that's doing the employment, too. I mean, for us, we we try and vet every single person to be that culture fit, that match, that sort of thing. Um, but as far as, like, having a retention, if you're doing this on your own or if you're, you know, on the receiving end of an interview that perhaps we set up, um, it's really asking some good questions. You know, don't stick with it. You know, how much experience do you have in Photoshop? And do you, you know, can you do web design? And let's see your samples. Really start digging into questions that, you know, revolve around their um, work ethic or about their previous jobs, what their biggest accomplishment was, you know, were they a team player, a team leader? Um, And then you 
and it might be a case where you don't want a team leader. <laughs> so it's like we have plenty right? of those. We need workers. So if somebody says, you know what, I'm really great at following directions. If I have to take a leadership position, I will do it. But this is where I'm comfortable with. You can vet all that out initially because the last thing you want is to, you know, kind of present a position that doesn't meet their expectations too. Right. Um, and then they're disappointed and you're disappointed. Um, so it really just kind of revolves around vetting it all at the beginning and then um it, and that makes it easier to retain in the long run it makes run? it easier to retain because there's because all the expectations are on the table there's no surprises so you know it was kind of he knew this going in and then there's always been that discussion you know like you know do we need you know snacks and foosballs tables and you know beer on like, tap <laughs> beer on tap and all sorts of stuff um i think people have spent a lot of money that for things that people don't necessarily want um, so I'm hearing more and more people just sitting down with their team and asking, what is a value to you? Is time off more valuable than raises? Is the beer tap more important than the beanbag chairs, you know, and, and I see a lot of beer taps in these places around town that aren't getting used that much. Well, and that, maybe the beanbags are better, you know, but you don't know, but because if you start, just start thinking, well, if they have it, we want it too. Um, and then sometimes there's things that people can't necessarily afford too, because like, you know, at Google or, or some of those larger companies, they have lunch every day for people because technically they just don't want them ever to leave is what my <laughs> thought is. But if you can't do that, maybe it's just, you know, pizza every Friday, you know, and that becomes something that people like as far as your culture. And there's other things you can do too. There's just like these little tweaks that are important to people, but you don't have to, you know, take out a, another loan to get people to stay. You sit on the Columbus Chamber Small Business Council. Uh, in, really, in what ways has this organization helped you grow in your business? Um, well, for me, it exposes me to a lot of people that are my peers. Um, and I get to talk with them about business. So just getting to know them, they then become business relationships, which is really, really great. And then also to um, having chaired that um, council, it has been really helpful just to kind of figure out the how the gears of business work on um, more of a city level, on a state level. Um, you learn more about workforce development issues. You you know because everybody has different things that you know taxes that. Are, that come up and um, there was a wage increase thing that we talked about and everybody might say, oh, it's great. Yes, everybody should make, get make you know more than minimum wage or whatever, or we should raise minimum wage. But um, when you have discussions with business owners that that is going to truly be damaging for them, then you're like, okay, well, now I see that perspective. So just seeing a more 360 of all businesses has been incredibly enlightening. And some of it I can apply to my own business, but also just that exposure of um, that you get from, you know, just public policy and uh, just the, the different gears that make business run has, has been really wonderful. So you're also on the Chamber's Board of Directors mm -hmm. in addition to a number of other boards, uh, the American Red Cross, the Greater Columbus Arts Council. How has some of those experiences of, of serving, especially in some of these nonprofit ways, um, and with these really influential organizations, how has that part helped you as a business owner beyond kind of the policy and the laws, taxes? What about these groups mm -hmm. and how that's impacted what you do? Well, again, it exposes you to different ways of looking at things. And I also think, too, it's it's kind of a great um, rest for your mind to help another organization that is completely different than your own. And in a lot of these cases, like um, with the boards and the, you know, the, the councils that I'm on, um, I believe that I can bring a certain amount of talent to it. 
And it, there's just nothing more exciting that when you can kind of come in as a servant leader and just say, you know, I can help you with that. And they are totally lacking in that area. And you then become like the, the, the rock star of the group because you can really, really help with something. Yeah. And um, regarding that, you know, I, I see a lot of people will just join boards, you know, just to get that experience. And I think that is great. But um, having done that in the past, I got better at really realizing the organizations that I had a passion for. And then that became much more joyous. So for me, I'd spent a lot of time building a business. So in joining the Greater Columbus Arts Council, they brought me back to the arts and that started to feed my soul. And with the chamber, same sort of thing. I mean, I love business. I love helping other businesses, mentoring smaller businesses. So that was a really good fit for me just because I just love the process of building a business. And um, while I am a creative person, I get to create a business now versus, you know, creating actual art, although I did finally get back to doing that. But um, that, that's just kind of the idea of it. Don't you know, just get things that you're really, really passionate about and it, it gets you really excited and you can contribute and it, it, it just really, it's like I said, it's like a little vacation for your brain. You know, you get to step away from your own business for a while and, and really help out somebody else. I've had the privilege of being able to serve on the NABO uh, board of directors with you last year. You are mm-hmm. our immediate past president. Um, great experience, National Association of Women Business Owners. It's an organization that really works to leverage relationships in support of the professional and the personal growth of its chapter members. Um, why are organizations like NABO important at this moment, especially when it comes to advancing the Columbus community? Well, for me, that's sometimes a, uh, a hard debate I have to have because I think when uh, people are running a business, especially entrepreneurs, they feel like they don't have time for this sort of thing. And I can tell you that one of the best things that I have ever done was join NABO, was join the Columbus Chamber, joining groups that just really are your peers and people that you belong to. And um, speaking of NABO, for example, and the chambers like this as well, where when you're in a group that is big enough to have a voice and NABO's chapter here is the largest in the country, um, when it's, when it's that big, you're a part of something that's really big and you can make change, which is really amazing. It's, you know, and, and that's, and I really, really enjoy that, that if there is a policy that you want change, something that is not right, or um, something that's going to make businesses run better, and you can go to this group, or you can be the voice to go in and speak to state representatives, or any representative for that matter, and laws get passed and things get changed. It's it's a super way to get involved and be a part of a larger community. So for me, um, NABO is kind of a has done some really game changing things for women in business. And it, it is just, I think every woman who owns a business should be a part of it because it's just that powerful. The future, I think we both agree for Columbus is very bright. And when we get the opportunity to talk to leaders like you on this program, um, we see where the business community is going. If, if you had, if you had your crystal ball, you know, mm-hmm. you've been doing this for a bit here in Columbus. If you had your crystal ball, where, where do you see Columbus? going in the future? What do, what do you think really is next? Well, since it is such a hub now for entrepreneurship and beer. It is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's How so many, many breweries do we have? <laughs> um, but especially entrepreneurship. And like I said, this, this uh, smart city grant is huge. Um, I think it's really on the cusp of, you know, some great challenges with technology um, as far as, you know, new energy sources, new ways people can travel, um, things like that. And 
you know, it could just like be, you know, the next, you know, tech city, which would be phenomenal. And the fact that there are so many creative people here already that have been around for a while. And now we have some grants that can also work. And we have um, organizations in town that are really, you know, moving people to come here. Um, I think it's it's a great formula right now for to, to, for it to be really next level tech, next level creative, you know, just a really kind of a exciting place to live, you know, where people are just like, you know, people would always talk about like Austin or, you know, San Francisco or wherever, um, you know, this could be like this, the next little thing. And it's just, it's just like this cute little hidden secret right now that people are starting to take notice of. We're on the map. We are on the map. We are on the map. So people are like, Watch what's out, going folks. on in Columbus, you know? Hold on to your houses and everything else because <laughs> exactly. yes, people are going to, are coming here exactly. in, in droves. Well, Portfolio Creative really, um, spearheading a part of this community that is helping with talent in all of these different areas. And and we're just glad to be able to talk with you and the involvement, the involvement and energy from people, I think is extremely important mm-hmm. in this city. And you've showcased what that can mean and what that can do collaboratively here as we've talked today. So oh, well, thank you. We appreciate it. So Catherine Lang Klein with Portfolio Creative. Again, thanks for your time. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please let us know by sharing your ratings and reviews just search CBuzz on iTunes or the place you listen to podcasts. There's many of them, but you can find us there. Let us know how we're doing. We definitely read your feedback and that's how people find our show when you give us a review. So please go ahead and do that. We also value your ideas as we plan for future episodes. CBuzz is produced in collaboration with Capital University and is recorded at Capital's Convergent Media Center. So we want to thank their talented students, staff, and faculty for helping bring this program to you today. I'm Michaela Hunt. We're so glad you joined us and we will talk to you next time.